This time on Holy Ghost Notes. So she was very cute. Standing on Eminem's set list. And everyone crapped on you. I, I personally blame the Beatles. Hey, what's going on? This is Matt and Tim, and welcome to Holy Ghost Notes. How you doing, hey, buddy? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm doing well. It is another late one. Yep. The no one's surprise. <laughs> 11.18 p.m. Right? <laughs> uh, we started pre-roll for this before 11, and we were like, wow, we are starting really early tonight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's two minutes before 11 p.m. We're, like, getting a really start on this. So um, now it's late, though. It's now it's, over 11 now it's pretty late. I'm starting to get tired now. <laughs> are you? <laughs> uh, yeah, man, these are long days. I We just started uh, planting corn this week. So okay. we were talking before the episode, farming and shooting drum footage. Between yeah. those two, this is like quintessential, classic quarantine, Yeah, perfect scenario. <laughs> These two things are going to happen in my life. Right. That's exactly what this week's been. Mm. It's been really busy. I feel like when life gets busy, it all happens at once. And then all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're like, wait a second. I have nothing to do today. <laughs> why couldn't this have just all like spilled out into yeah, well, I can't numerous days instead of it just compounding? Yeah. It's that phrase, when it rains, it pours, you know? It's so true. It is true. Uh, speaking of rain, so this is going to be interesting to very few, but I will say it <laughs> nonetheless. Um, He's going to start talking about farming. We, Get ready. Yes, I am. We started planting <laughs> corn this week. The first rain that you get, the first rain that you get after you plant corn, you're basically putting dollars into the soil, right? And at this point, I own 70 acres, 50 tillable. So you, I am actually literally putting dollars into the soil. Yeah, yeah. Um, the first rain that you get after you plant corn, it's not desirable that it's like 46 degree cold rain. What did we have yeah. today here in Lancaster County? 46 degree cold rain. Oh when, when did I finish planting corn? Yesterday. Yesterday. Yep. <laughs> so this is one of those scenarios where if you could see us right now, I'm just crossing my fingers. Yeah. Like, okay. Well, yep. we've been farming for many, many years and it usually works out. But every year that it does this, where it's like, wow, it's May 5th. We have to get corn in the ground, even though the weather's not ideal. You're yeah, like, right. <laughs> Is this going to be the year? It just all crashes down. <laughs> it, it certainly seems like 2020 is the year. Everything comes crashing down. Well, now they have, have you seen uh, the, the murder, the murder bees? <laughs> have you seen that? The murder bees. It's insane. Please, please tell me that's not like it's, the official, that's actually that's the, the working That's title. actually what they're calling them. They're like bees from China or something like that. Uh, Did you see the they rip other bees heads off? They're finding you, like hives of honeybees with their heads ripped off. Did you did you see the the pigeon with a shark head? Yeah. <laughs> did you Get see ready, twenty twenty. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. A friend just said that to me tonight. It's like, oh, we have killer bees, no problem. We have these pigeons with shark heads. Like, oh my gosh, what next? My my friend sent me a text. He's like, the text just said this. August burns red, 2023. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it said. August burns red, 
2023. It's like, all right. I mean, I would have gone with 2021, but if you just yeah. want to push it back. Oh my gosh. It's just What's nuts. the difference? And, and to think like, like we were having episodes at the end of 2019 and like 2019 was a pretty shitty year. It was all right. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great, but I have a good feeling about 2020. I have, a, I th- I'm pretty sure I could probably find that quote. I have a good feeling about 2020. I'm pretty sure and, we were uh, saying that like the beginning uh, of this year. Yeah, we, we definitely jinxed that one. We really <laughs> <That> was, did. <laughs> hey, Matt, That's, one sec. I have to run and get my computer charger. Okay. I'll be right back. I'd like that. I'll just talk to myself. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, no, seriously, I'm going to talk to myself. So today we are going to a very special guest on the show, uh, Robert Sumner and John Leitzel. Robert Sumner is a friend of mine that I've known since 2005 or 2006. He was also a big fan of metal. Grew up in Lancaster County. I think he's actually from York. We did a lot of touring together. We've done a lot of touring together over the years. Um, Most notably, Warp Tours. He would do security and work on the monster truck at the monster stage as security and just sort of a hand there. We would go working out together if we had free time. And uh, one day we were at the gym, and you know how you have to take out your ID at the gym? Well, we both took our ID out, and the girl behind the counter was like, hey, um, you guys have the same birthday. We're like, oh, that's kind of cool, October 28th. And she's like, no, like, you guys have the same birthday, October 28th, 1985. Oh, my gosh. You're my brother. And he started laughing. I'm like, no, seriously, like this is, I've never met anyone that has my exact birthday and you happen to be a good friend of mine. So actually preceding that, my mom um, really just, Bobby, yeah, Robert's nickname's Bobby. Bobby's the kind of guy who when your parents meet him or any of your friends meet him, they're just like, hey, you know, what are you doing tomorrow night? Or if they haven't seen him in a while, hey, how's Bobby doing? He's just the friendliest guy. He he makes a lasting impression on you. Hmm. So anyway, he talks a lot about the um, the good old days in the Lancaster County metal scene. John Leitzel has a small business, which is becoming a bigger business, or at least was before COVID-19. Um, it will continue to do well. It's just a tough time because he can't actually do his job, but he owns Black Home, which is a barbershop in Lancaster. And um, man, my cousin goes there. He's the best. He's he's the best there is. He kind of started this trend of, um, well, just the style haircuts that he does. People have been doing them for a long time, but he really made them popular and sort of centralized. Um, he he has a shop where like you know you're going to get in there and get a good haircut regardless yeah. of if you've ever been there before, regardless of who you even get to cut your hair there. Right. So I think he has like eight chairs, but he has a great business and he also grew up in the Lancaster County metal scene. So we had both John and Bobby on together. Yeah. Yeah. And what a, what a great, uh, what a great duo to have on at the same time. They um, had a lot of good things to say and, and really played off each other. And, um, you know, they were, They've been friends for a long time. I mean, they've yeah, been they have you for a long time, but uh, you know, um, they were kind of uh, their viewpoint of the 
start of the Lancaster metal scene as we know it, um, you know, was they both kind of experienced it the same way, which is cool to cool to see or cool to Absolutely, hear from, man. You know? I remember seeing them come to the Legion shows since the beginning of the band, since it's uh, since it's inception, mm-hmm. and we kept in touch over the years. But having them on the podcast, you know, the interesting thing about having a podcast is that you have conversations that you wouldn't ordinarily have with someone. It's like right. we have to sit down and push record in order to have this focused conversation about something that in the end turns out to be pretty meaningful. Well, that's exactly the case with these guys. So right. I think they were also kind of surprised, like, man, we haven't talked about that stuff in a while. That was really fun, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wish I was yeah. 21 again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The one thing that I think both you and I were surprised by, though, Tim, is how much in common we had, um, in addition to music and just growing up in kind of the same scene, uh, they they had a really informed view of um, Christianity, regardless, mm-hmm. I guess, irregardless of where they stand today. They, right. their, their views and just their general outlook on like the the church and Christianity and Jesus Christ and the Bible and uh, culture today, very much so aligned with the conversations we always have. And and they didn't know, I don't think they had ever listened to the podcast to know that. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Our our conversation kind of uh, took the route that it normally does naturally. We didn't, uh, we didn't push it in that direction, <laughs> at least yeah. not that I remember. <laughs> no. um, and and so uh, it was it was definitely interesting seeing how we we all kind of saw eye to eye, to eye but uh, all had slightly different backgrounds and have experienced life in a different way. And um, yeah, that's always that's always cool when that happens. And you know what has sort of come as a result of this podcast too. So John. Um, was cutting my hair before all this hit the fan with COVID. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting in his chair and I could tell like he wanted to ask me something, but he wasn't really sure how to. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, hey man, I want to ask you something, but I'm kind of like nervous. I said, all right. Like, you know, all three of my sisters are taken and you're married. Like that, that's usually <laughs> what people are going to ask me that's about that one. they're nervous. <laughs> oh, he's like, I really want to start playing drums. I was ah, like, cool. Great. He's like, I would love to like maybe take a lesson, but I'm not even really sure where to start. I was like, come on over. That's cool. So um, he came over for a lesson and we just did another lesson recently. Um, And uh, it's really cool to like work with someone who's so proficient at what they do, in his case, cutting hair. Mm -hmm. And yet he wants to like pick up this new hobby and he's starting at the beginning. I mean, he's learning. He went on uh, YouTube and looked up beginner drum beats and learned wow. five rock groups like doom god doom god got it down couldn't play it yeah. one day could play it the next and then like doom god doom doom god you know and just yeah. kind of keep advancing until he's he's now in like eighth note territory right that's awesome it is cool it's very yeah. cool so his goal is to learn to play um blink 182's uh first date i think is the song yeah yeah that one yeah freaking good yeah yeah it's not easy so like we started working on it and i i pulled up the song and i was like john this song is fast and Mm -hmm. awesome but fast and he's like i know man i was like let's just take it slow and we started breaking it down and 
I started teaching him like the one and two and three and four and yeah. one. And I could just see like the smile yeah. appear on his face, you know, out of nowhere, which is easy to do when you're playing along with Blink. Like it doesn't yeah. get any more fun, especially that era of Blink. So. Yeah. You got to teach him. There's like uh, in the verses, um, it's that, uh, or no, it's it's in the intro, but after that crazy fill, like it, it's going to be really discouraging for anyone learning that song if they try to start with that fill. I know. Beginning. We just skipped it and went but to the first beat. You know, that little that little inflection there is like. I love that. It makes me so happy to play. I know. And if you can get that down. You're gonna feel real cool about yourself. Well, and then he does like the yeah. Oh, right in the verse, yeah. Man, Travis Barker, that guy can write some drum parts. That's for sure. He really can. I reference him a lot in my drum in my drum lessons. I'll be like, yeah. So you want to be like all these other drummers? How about we just work on making you sound like you? Because can you imagine sitting in your room, no doors, no windows, no one knows who's in there. You walk by, you hear someone playing, and you know who it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who do you Travis think that guy. you could hear their drum part and know? Well, it's it, Travis yeah. Barker for sure. Oh, a couple yeah. others maybe. But that is always like a good way to sell this idea, prove a point in a way that like you are better off trying to find your own sound as a drummer than trying to, to, to emulate someone else's. Because mm-hmm. if you can achieve that kind of status where you're sitting in a room where no one can see you, no one knows it's you, but they hear your drum beat, the way you're playing something that everyone else can play, but they know it's you, mm-hmm. I can't think of a more rewarding mm-hmm. achievement. Yeah. So put everything you have into that. It's yep. 100% going to be worth it. Yeah. But in the meantime, work on Travis Barker drum beats to get better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what I do, man. I, yeah. I've probably covered them a few times, and it's been the hardest covers to learn. A lot of in- intricacies and offbeat weird things that throw you off. I mean, it's it's a good place if you wanna if you wanna learn how to how to think differently as a drummer. Definitely try to learn some Blink. That's no kidding. That's a good one. Cool. Well. Um, we're really excited for you guys to hear this interview. Um, it's, it's a good one. Um, you know, they might not be the names that, uh, you know, they're not the Aaron Gillespie or the, or the Ash Stone, but, um, mm-hmm. but that doesn't really matter. Definitely doesn't matter to us. Um, you're gonna, you're gonna get a lot out of this conversation and, and, uh, we're excited for you to hear it. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Enjoy. Yeah. Here's John and Bob. Take it away. Okay, so today is a very exciting episode. Um, we actually just kind of threw this one together. I was getting my hair cut <laughs> about a week ago, and I'm sitting in the chair at the Black Comb. I'm talking to an old friend of mine named John Leitzel. And we start going down the rabbit trail. Um, dude, remember when dot, 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 and an hour and a half later, there we are still talking about bands. I felt like I was in, like, nostalgia barbershop, you know, <laughs> USA. It was, it was incredible. Um, and, and so we're like, dude, 
I got to teach you a drum lesson. You've never played drums. You want to play drums. Let's make it happen. Oh, by the way, you're going to be at my studio. Let's just record a podcast. And so here we are with John Leitzel. And uh, we're also, um, we also have the pleasure of having <laughs> my brother and uh, best friend, uh, Robert Sumner. Everyone calls him Bobby. <clears throat> Bobby works in the music industry as well. One of the best people and hardest working friends um, that I have. And so we're just, we're honored to have this thing uh, happening. This is, this is, this is going to be cool. So nice. Sam, how are you doing, man? You doing well? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. Good. I'm doing well. You're you're a little sick, but uh, hopefully this will lift your spirits <laughs> a little bit. These are two fun dudes. Yeah, I'm sure it will. So. Okay, nice so first, um, John, yes, sir. Tell me, uh, tell me about the Black Comb. What is the Black Comb? Black Comb is a traditional barber shop in downtown Lancaster. Um, it's it's kind of funny. I feel like uh, like growing up. Um, as, as far as, you know, hair and haircuts, I feel like hair is a very iconic thing, you know, especially, especially with music, you know, you have, you have Elvis, you have all of the, uh, you know, different bands and, uh, groups in the sixties, mm-hmm. you know, doo-wop, even, you know, eighties hair metal, you know, grunge, even, you know, kind of like early two thousands metal is very, you know, very recognizable hair. But the funny mm-hmm. thing about hair is Everyone talked about getting haircuts, like when you have to go to the DMV right. to get your driver's license right. renewed. No one <laughs> liked getting their haircut. No one wanted to get their haircut. But yeah. I felt like getting your haircut should be something that's fun and you look forward to. And obviously, it's something that kind of you know it, it makes you you like you know your hairstyle. I feel like a lot of people you know are known for a lot of famous people are known for their hair. Yeah, but a lot yeah. of people. You know, the importance of haircuts and grooming got kind of lost. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I personally blame the Beatles um, <laughs> for barbering, almost dying. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so um, I, I was, was kind of trying to find my way in the, in the mid-2000s. I graduated college. I, I went to school to be a teacher. I was yeah. told, oh, you should be a teacher. And then, you know, I think they told everybody that. And then there weren't any teaching jobs available. So I kind of had to figure out something else. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not very mechanical. I'm not very, you know, I'm not like really a gearhead. So okay. I figured yeah. a trade would be good. But mm-hmm. this is the trade that I chose. Mm-hmm. And I <laughs> fell in love with it immediately. Mm-hmm. And uh, I never looked back. So, And you're very good at it. Thank you. You're I very, try. Very good at I it. try. It helps when you like what you do. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, Bobby, uh, we'll come back to you, John. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, who Bobby is. So, Bobby, um, talk about um, what you do in the music industry, sort of what you've done as far as Warp Tour, and then also what you have on the plate this year, if you can talk about it. I know some stuff's still in the works. Um, I'm a freelance tour manager. Um, and I do a few other oddball gigs, all in the music industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I work cool. in the camping department. Odd bobs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I work in the camping department for Golden Voice out at Coachella and Stagecoach. Okay. Um, I, I just got a new job with a uh, barricade company out of Lancaster. Oh, sweet. Um, and they have um, the Danny Wimmer Presents Festivals coming up this spring, and I'll be on all those with the, with the uh, barricade company. Um, and I have some potential nice. tour managing jobs in the summer. Um, but I, I, I also grew up in the same scene with Matt and John 
here in South Central Pennsylvania and mm-hmm. um, moved around over the years. But uh, now I'm back in Lancaster and loving it. I, I really enjoy the the peace and quiet and the serenity that the county, the 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 county of Lancaster, the country can yep. bring when I'm constantly traveling. And I'm always surrounded by sweaty, loud musicians. So warp cut, tour. Yeah, so, so warp tour, essentially, yeah. Yeah, warp tour. Um, I did warp tour for about a decade, and that just recently ended. So it was kind of like a shuffle in my life as far as uh, which direction was I going to go mm-hmm. because warp tour was yeah. always the central of my year. My whole year was always surrounded by my, my warp tour. Mm-hmm. And that, that ended, uh, 2019 was the first year that there was no full u.s warp tour so um it was actually okay. awesome uh, yeah 2019 was my busiest year i slept in my bed the least amount of nights in 2019 out of wow. any year which um, is I've why you had. moved away from california because you were paying astronomical pricing yeah. for yeah. a room you didn't live in so another <laughs> yeah so part, part of the other the other half of the coin uh besides the peace and quiet in the country in, in pennsylvania is is that I moved here because I was paying two thousand dollars <laughs> in, in rent and utility every month, and I was never home. I had an expensive storage unit. Yeah, that's really where yeah. I'm at right now. And you love us. No, you're you wanted okay. to get your hair cut at Black Comb again. You know, it's, it <laughs> I don't makes... really have any hair, but you know, he lines my mustache up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so before we get back to John, I want to ask you uh, if if you had if you met a stranger on the street and they said, "Okay, tell me." What is the one accomplishment you're most proud of as it pertains to your, your work? My work. Um, I had two really cool moments that stand out to me over the past 10 to 15 years. Mm-hmm. One was I was working for a rapper named Yellow Wolf, and we were opening for Eminem. It was a private event in New York City. Mm-hmm. I think this was 2013 or 14. Um, it was that watch G-Shock, mm-hmm. and Eminem had a collab. So they, they, so Eminem performed for you know a thousand people at some private Sheesh. event, and um, I was helping sound check for Yellow Wolf uh-huh. after uh, Eminem was already up there and his band did the thing, and I, I have the microphone in my hand, and we're just ringing out the monitors, and I look down and I realize I'm realize I'm standing on Eminem's set list. <laughs> it was like, you know, you know, every iconic song from yeah. the 90s and 2000s, I'm like, I like slowly pick my right foot up. Like I can, I can see it happening in my mind right now. Yeah. It's clear as day. Yeah. Um, that was one. And, and another time I was working for a, a kind of a country rap artist named Struggle Jennings, whose grandfather is Waylon oh, Jennings. Oh, wow. wow. And um, that's so I, sick. Uh, Waylon passed away about 20 years ago, but his, his, his wife is uh, Jesse Coulter. Is still around, and we had a day off in Phoenix where Jesse lives, and uh, I was blessed and fortunate enough to go over, invited yeah. into her home, yeah. and she's got his Grammys, and he's got letters from, you know, presidents, Man. and, you know, it was just very, very iconic. I've never, uh, you know, he had a handwritten letter from Johnny Cash, like, all framed wow. and all on this wall, and That's Grammys, cool. and I'm like, you know, and I don't really work with... Uh, that level, like I'm more on like the warp tour level of things. Like I don't go to the Grammys. Uh, it's something cool. I would love to one day, but that, those two things were like kind of stand out to me. Like 
I mean, sorry, Marshall, I stoned your set list. Like, <laughs> 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 yeah. It was pretty cool. But not sorry. Cool. I mean, I took a photo <laughs> of my foot on it. <laughs> that reminds me what you just said. I yeah. felt like as soon as you said that, I felt like, dude, you're going to get in trouble. You should delete that. Because years ago, I was in Switzerland playing a festival with Slipknot. And I was on stage walking around with a video camera, one of the handheld things before the iPhone technology came out. This is at least a decade ago. And I was videotaping Slipknot. Like, on stage, backstage, you know, the guy's hitting the keg, and I'm, like, up against him. And, of course, you can't do that. You no, know? that's a huge no-no. Of course you can't do that. But I'm, I don't know what I was thinking. I'm just like, I'm going to send it. <laughs> that's a super so, amateur moment. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, dude, if someone was on stage for us doing that, and we're... Kick him okay. off. Yeah. Anyway, so some guy's like, nice uh, sir, sir, you can't be doing that, sir. He was super nice. That's cool. And That's I, cool. and he's like, you're going to need to delete that. I said, okay. I said, do I need to do it now? And he goes, no, you can do it later. I was like, oh, all right, cool. So I walked off stage. <laughs> I, I will admit I kept it for the night. I kind of revisited my you know footage with JB and the band and stuff. And then I deleted it the next day. I really did. <laughs> okay. Because I would want someone to do that for me. But as soon as you said that, I'm like, that picture before Eminem hears. Too late, I posted it. <laughs> it's on my socials. Well, the good thing is Eminem doesn't listen to this podcast, so no one's yeah. ever going to find out. Or maybe he does, and he's a sleeper out there somewhere. <laughs> maybe. Dude. Who knows? Hi. Hi, Eminem. I like what you're doing. Don't listen to the naysayers. Eminem, if you're out there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's really cool. Thanks for sharing that. Um, you're welcome. John, I want to talk a little bit about business. Um, what misconceptions might people have about starting and owning and operating a small business? Hmm. I think I think it could be I think it could be one of two things. I think people might look at it as, you know, it's it's easy or they they kind of see, you know, where you're at, you know, like they might see like where you're at currently and you might be, you know, at like a certain success level and they're like, Oh, like, you know, look at like, like look at this guy. Like mm-hmm. he was able to like do this, but, um, and, and some people I think too, like they might see you from the beginning and they see you grow and then they almost kind of like, like, Oh, like, you know, look at this guy he's like successful. Now mm-hmm. it's like they're rooting for you, but mm-hmm. they're also not rooting for mm-hmm. you. Um, right. It, it can be like a, like a weird thing, but honestly, I think the, the biggest thing is maybe people just, it's like when people come into the shop, for example, you know, they're there for like a half hour or an hour. So they kind of see everything going on. They're like, Oh wow. Like, look at this. And they kind of assume that, you know, like the shop runs itself and that it's, you know, like, Oh, like this is easy. Anyone could do it. But (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes. You know, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, I need to do even while I'm at home or like even, Mm -hmm. you know, before bed, Mm -hmm. um, like little things to, to handle. And Mm -hmm. even, you know, like we, like we open it, we, we open at eight o'clock in the morning. I mean, I get there, at, I get there at six 30 and I, you know, I sweep, I wipe mm. things down, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of prep work involved. You know, I, we have a refrigerator with drinks. I stock the fridge, you know, I, I like to, to clean every morning just mm-hmm. so it's kind of like a, a fresh start. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people, yeah. don't, people don't see that. People just walk in and they, you know, see the shop busy and mm-hmm. they're like, Oh, like, look at this. Like, so, um, it's, it's, uh, I, I would say that's probably the biggest thing, you know, people see, See, it's like, oh, that's easy. Anyone could do it. And then also there's, you know, people that maybe, you know, they, they'll get there at some point, but they, they just can't, 
they can't see it. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. And it's funny, like Mark Cuban, for example, has mm-hmm. said, you know, in many, many interviews that, you know, there's like a starting point and a success, you know, like kind of like an end game. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's all over the place. It's mm-hmm. just like a crazy roller coaster, like mm-hmm. nonstop. And I, and I've, I've had that, you know, um, yeah. you know, I've, I've had things come about that I don't expect or want to happen, but it does. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just kind of how you, you know, push through that. Mm-hmm. So I would say, sure. I would say that's kind of the biggest thing, mm-hmm. you know, the, those things. Okay. So I want to tie that into, that's exactly where I thought you would go. And I want to tie that into what Bobby sees in the music industry, because being a drummer in a band, I have friends, <clears throat> none of which probably who listen to this podcast, but if you do, <laughs> you know who you are, who will say, Dude, your job is so easy. And I want Bobby to speak to the work side of the music industry because I understand it would be easy to look at someone in a band or someone working in the music industry like Bobby and say, oh, dude, I can't imagine just being able to and then just lay out a hundred different reasons why they think it would be an easy job. Yeah, I I get that. Um, that's actually probably one of the more frequently asked questions I get is how how can I get a job like yours or wow, like you're so lucky you get to travel. And in the back of my head, I'm thinking, I just want to sleep in my own bed, (laughs) go to the gym and come back and watch Netflix and not talk to anybody. (laughs) Um, But uh, I I don't have any training. I didn't have an older brother to grandfather or parents that grandfathered me in either. Um, I definitely figured it out on my own. And in the early years, I was... Definitely a little shithead. I'm not going to deny that, but <laughs> I I did learn a work ethic and common sense, and that's how I've, you know, from a merch guy to a stage guy to a tour manager, and you know, other things in between. Um, the the work, uh, I I don't even really know how to put into words. You know, like Warp, Warp Tour, for instance. I was I was awake at you know. I, out of my bunk at 6.30 in the mm-hmm. morning and walking out to my stage at 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, in the height of an American summertime in Florida, Texas. Uh, Arizona. Uh, oh, my goodness. Vegas. You know, Kansas City, the humidity is through the roof. Like, uh, And I would be walking back to my bus at 9.30. If I walk, got to my bus before 10 p.m., I was like, whoa, you know, this is an early, early night. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and obviously I, I'm there to do a job that I take pride in and, and I work very hard at, but nobody sees that. And that's okay. I'm not, I'm, I'm very much a behind the scenes personality. I would, I'm not a spotlight guy. Like in, you know, I don't want to stand on a stage and have a spotlight and a microphone. I couldn't do that. I'm not built for that. But the fans, they don't, they don't see that. They see the bands partying on social media and crushing it in front of 5,000 people, which is awesome. Right. That's that's the sell of the business, you know, like, um, but there is definitely a very uh, interesting other side of the coin to, you know, like e- even on club tours, like, uh, whoa, it's cool. You know, like I get my artists on and off stage, the band, whomever. And then it's, you know, it's like, you must party. And, you know, and it's like, nah, dude, like I want to go to sleep because it's 2 a.m. Bus calls in 30 minutes, mm-hmm. and I got to get up at 9.30 a.m. to help my driver park. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and there's a bunch of idiots in the front lounge smoking weed and being <laughs> loud, and I'm in the back yeah. lounge trying to sleep. Like, it's, uh, it's, it's very interesting to compare 
what people see and their, you know, the fans' perspective versus mm-hmm. the reality of the situation mm-hmm. is is night and and day, mm-hmm. and that's uh, right. It's interesting, at least, and it's a lot of hard work, blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the tour manager job was not the coveted one when I was in my band days. <laughs> it's <laughs> they were the guys that had to make sure we got paid at the end of the night, and that wasn't always the easiest thing either. <laughs> yeah, there there so. becomes you, you get to a level where payment is no longer a worry. It's how mm-hmm. much I'm getting paid because you you know you sure. back end and. Et cetera, et cetera, yeah. different contractual deals. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's, it's like a it's like a babysitter on steroids almost. So, mm-hmm. You know, like right. you're doing everything. Mm-hmm. You're thinking of every possible scenario. You're trying to take preventative measures mm-hmm. so those scenarios right. never happen. If you're good at your job, that's what happens. But mm-hmm. then sometimes those scenarios play out and you're mm-hmm. like, I'm glad I've prepared for these (laughs) because now we have a flat trailer tire on the side of the road. Blown out wheel bearings. That's that's why it's a two-hour drive (laughs) and I left six hours earlier. Exactly. Because you never know where you're going to hit traffic. Mm -hmm. You never know when you're going to get an accident. Mm -hmm. One of many little things. Yeah. So you guys have a lot in common as far as your work ethic and your willingness to risk security for the sake of doing what you want to do with your life. You could very well have jobs where you're working nine to five and you're not in charge. You don't have the headaches. Think about that. I'm sure you have. I mean, think about the fact that you, your life could look different as it pertains to work, but it doesn't because you, you chose to put yourself out there and risk. And I see two successful young men who are doing what they want to do. Sure. It comes with, you know, mountains and valleys, but there's an, another common denominator between you two, between all of us, actually, and it's the fact that we're, we're all similarly aged, and we grew up in a time when the metal scene in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, was something very special. And oftentimes it's been said there was, there's something in the water in Lancaster. What is it with you guys? You know, we were traveling, and, and people would ask me, we're in California, we're in Germany, what is it? There's, there's something in the water. I'm like, dude, there's nothing in the water but chicken manure. I'm telling you, like, there's nothing <laughs> special. Um, why, why do you think that was? What, what do you think created that, that type of culture here in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania? Honestly, I, th- I think a lot of it was just, you know, kind of the, like, like I was saying earlier, like the, the passion behind it. You know, people, you know, they, they saw a, like a void almost um, as far as, uh, you know, like, like shows the way they were 15 years ago, like don't really exist anymore. No. I mean, there mm-hmm. were, you know, there were Legion shows almost mm-hmm. every week. You know, there were fire hall shows almost every week and growing up too, you know, and when I was in high school and whatnot in the mid to late nineties, like that was just something, I mean, there was a, a show you would go to almost every week. And, you know, I mean, back then you didn't even have, social media i mean you you kind of had the internet but it's not like you had you know twitter and instagram and everything that you have today i mean you mm-hmm. would you would right. see a flyer or you know mm-hmm. someone that you worked with would tell you about you know a, a band playing at a at a random fire hall in mm-hmm. lebanon or something like that <laughs> and um i mean that's basically it was the it was more the connection personally back then um 
as opposed to the, you know, social like internet connection that we have nowadays. And it's funny because after Matt and I had this conversation, you know, I was kind of thinking about, you know, how it worked. And I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm creeping on 40 and, you know, like when I discovered, you know, punk rock, hardcore, stuff like that, I actually read about it in one of my dad's like historic music books that he had. (laughs) Uh, My dad collected records. Um, I mean, my dad, you know, had tons and tons of records. You know, he had like some jukeboxes in the basement. Like he was, he was very, very into music, which, you know, I was always like really intrigued by. And he had all of these random books. And I remember, you know, I was, I was probably 12, you know, and I'm, I'm looking through all these books and I'm like reading stuff. And I start, you know, I start reading about the New York dolls in the seventies. And I start Uh learning about, you know, the sex pistols and the Ramones and all this stuff. And it was just, it was very fascinating. So then I would start to like seek that out. You know, I would go to the, go to the record store and I would buy a CD and I would listen to it. And if it was shit, it was like, well, I lost money on that, but <laughs> then I would just buy another one. And you know, you didn't have iTunes, you didn't have Spotify or anything like that. Right. And it was just funny because then in turn you connected with people, you know, in school or church or work that were also into that. Mm. And you would hear about stuff and it's, it's funny if you don't mind, I'm going to go through kind of how I, mm-hmm. you know, came to know both of you guys, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. I went to, you know, I went to high school with a buddy. Mm-hmm. Um, we were pretty close, like from middle school on. And uh, his name was Travis Wagner. Mm-hmm. And he was in a band called Blind Influence. That's it, baby. Um, so I got to know all those guys, you know. And I mean, we're in high school at this point. And then, you know, I started to meet uh, Andy High. Mm-hmm. Uh, he Joe became Walmer. Joe Walmer. Uh, he be- so uh, so Andy became my roommate. Mm-hmm. He was looking for a roommate. Um, and then I think one night, one night we were hanging out, John Hershey came over mm-hmm. and he was hanging out at our apartment and he was like, oh yeah, he's like, I'm, we're starting this band, me and some friends and we're, we all grew up in Mannheim and, uh, and we, we play in the drummer's barn <laughs> and he's like, you should come hang out. You should come hang out and watch us play. <laughs> yep. So we would come and we would, we would literally sit on the floor of a uh-huh. barn uh-huh. and watch these guys play. And then, you know, other people, you know, you start to meet other people. But like this is a time where it was pretty much you know you you meet someone and then you know you start talking to someone else and then before you know it you know you're you know you're you got a roommate in downtown Lancaster who's in a band and then all of a sudden on a Friday night you're sitting on the floor of a barn watching <laughs> some people you know barely out of high school play music yeah. and it's just it's I think it's just you know the the passion back then and it, it was yeah. a little more stripped down as far as. You know, like like I said, I mean, social media is is good in a lot of ways, but back then when you didn't have any of that, it just made things more genuine. Mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. um, just like mm-hmm. you know, promoting shows mm-hmm. and you know, passing yeah. out flyers after mm-hmm. other shows and 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 all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I probably I don't know if I still have, them, but I mean, I used I used to keep show flyers because yeah. it was just it was really cool because yeah. you know there was a lot of stuff going on back then and I mean the Legion Hall you know off of Mannheim Pike you know there's so many so many bands that you would see in that little venue uh, we should go back there sometime we should record a podcast episode there. <laughs> there, if, uh, they'll rent, if they'll rent it out the beginning if, if they'll let if they'll let people use it for that anymore that used to cost $50 that's 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 crazy $50 was, to rent out I was hey. talking about the about seeing Evergreen Terrace in 2004 at the American Legion Hall 
yesterday with a friend from Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like John said, I, I think I think it all stems from having a an amazing local scene. Mm-hmm. You know, we all grew up. Mm-hmm. I never played an instrument. Everyone around me played instruments, joined band, joined started bands. This was 15 years ago. Figured out what they were doing and succeeded. <laughs> but I, I would venture to say it all comes from a really strong local scene in the early 2000s, late 90s mm-hmm. in South Central yeah. Pennsylvania. Um, your furnace just kicked on. It sounded like a transformer in the corner. <laughs> you know what? They're filling up my oil tank right now. I so this that. is a very special moment <laughs> for all that. of you welcome, listening. Welcome to the country. Um, yeah. My studio is uh, at my house, and uh, I'm low on oil. So in order to stay warm, to be able to do this podcast. They're filling your oil on a day where it's 62 degrees. So <laughs> It's so nice outside today. Yeah, thank thank you, F. H. Kreider. I really appreciate the uh, impeccable timing here. <laughs> so I think it's funny you you uh, you guys kind of outlined um, a scenario that I think a lot of people will be able to relate to. Not necessarily in the Mannheim Lancaster music scene, but I know personally, you know, um, in the '90s and early 2000s. Like that's what that's what my music scene looked like, you know. Is it playing in bands in not necessarily a barn, but someone's basement um, with a bunch of friends sitting around watching, and then playing youth group shows and VFW halls, and you know, like that's I think that's going to resonate with a lot of people and, and bring back nostalgia, um, mm. just because it's it's familiar, you know. Like that's what we went through, MySpace days. Mm. That's how we were promoting shows on MySpace. Zanga. And flyers in random places. You know, like, um, <laughs> those were good times. <laughs> yeah. Good times. Um, but it's funny, I was just talking to my sister um, this past weekend, and sh- she lives in Mannheim. And she was just uh, pointing out to me, she's like, it's so odd that there was such a prominent metal scene mm-hmm. in Mannheim, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. She's like, people who play this type of music are like the rebels. Mm-hmm. Like most people in this area like mm-hmm. frown upon drums, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. playing drums or playing rock and roll music. It's yeah. like of the devil, yeah. you know? And she's like, it's just wild that there's such a, like so many great bands came out of Mannheim, Pennsylvania or Lancaster, Pennsylvania with that, you know, I mean, it's still like a mindset there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just wild. It's, you know, it's pretty cool that, you have so many awesome bands that that came out of Lancaster. Wild. And that's that's a great point. I mean, there's there are those listening right now in your in your car at home wherever and you're thinking, "Oh my gosh, I can think of five shows I've been to in my hometown in Kansas or Texas or Colorado in that Legion Hall." I'm sure the same experience was had around the country and it probably all happened at a similar time because of the perfect storm of social media not yet kicking into gear, but there was some idea of what was happening around the country that was very quickly accessible. It wasn't necessarily on your phone, but you could be on your computer. And like you said, MySpace or Zanga, as John said, you could, you could have your finger to the pulse of like, Hey, did you hear about the band that just signed a solid state? They're sick. You should check them out. They're called as cities burn or Hey, did you hear evergreen Terrace is playing Dot, dot, dot. And so you know kind of what's out there. You know the new records coming out across five Aprils. 
Um, <laughs> seven star. Um, oh, figure four. Figure four. Remembering never. I mean, all of these names. You you say the name and you oh. takes you right back. I mean, and and so you're listening to this and you're thinking, yeah, dude, I remember that. Like, and then the next thought you might have, if you're anything like us, is those were the days, and we didn't yeah. know it. We did not know it, but those were the days when we were doing things our way. No one was telling mm-hmm. us how to do them. No one was holding our hand. There was no template. There was no one to show you how to book a show. There was no one sh- you know, showing you how to get to Legion Hall. You didn't even have maps on your phone. You probably carpooled with somebody. MapQuest. MapQuest. Yep. Printed, printed out, out. directions. <laughs> Dude. MapQuest was born wow. in Lancaster. In Lancaster. Really? Another thing born in Lancaster. Much more significant wow. than our bands, but that's that's cool. Re- recently having moved back to South Central PA, um, I've been asking a couple of my friends, like, I think it would be cool to go to little local shows again. Mm-hmm. And everyone I ask is like, yeah, that doesn't really happen anymore. And I'm like, right. oh, you know, like right. a part of me kind of like wanted to go see like a, some new band play in front of 100 or, you know, 70 people. Like, <laughs> yeah. And and everyone yeah. I've asked is like, yeah, that there's not really shows. I'm like, well, what about this venue? It's like, yeah, not really anymore. I'm like, oh man, like kind of bummed me out, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to talk about another common denominator um, that looks different for you guys, but there's there's a similarity, uh, and that is family. So all of our dis our our experiences with family is different. Uh, my experience with family is, is a pretty positive one. I have seven siblings. My parents are the two most incredible people I know. Um, obviously to let me play drums and start a metal screaming <laughs> band in their house. Mm-hmm. I mean, my dad was brethren. Like that was not okay. It was never done. My parents are incredible. Um, if you're listening to this and you're, you're thinking about your parents or your family unit, it's probably different than that. Could be similar. Um, but we all come from a different way of life, and it really shapes who we are today. And so mm. I want to talk a little bit about uh, family. So, John, uh, you have a beautiful wife and a beautiful daughter. Um, Thank you. You actually run the business uh, with your wife. Is that correct? I do, yes. Okay. Uh, so tell us about your family. Um, well, let's see. I actually, I actually met my wife in 2001 at a basement show. Seriously? Yes, I did. Really? Yep, I did. She was hanging out with the sister of a buddy of mine. His band was playing, and we started talking. And, uh, you know, I was like, oh, this girl's really cute. And uh, we kind of hit it (laughs) off. And she actually, she wrote... She wrote her screen name on my shoe. <laughs> and she was like, <laughs> the shoe? Yeah. I don't. Converse All-Star, oh. for sure. I don't. But uh, <laughs> her screen name was Cheer Chica 13. She was a cheerleader. <laughs> so she was very cute, very popular. Uh-huh. But um, so, so yeah, so I, I met her at a show. And then, um, you know, years later, we kind of reconnected. And uh, I had one of those really weird moments where I I sent her a I sent her a private message and I was like, oh hey, I was like, do you remember me? And she was like, actually, I don't. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, okay, well, never mind. So never mind. But uh, but yeah. So that was yeah. So that was that was really cool. But um, again, you know, weirdly enough, we you know kind of met at a at a small local show. Mm-hmm. Um. We have a daughter, uh, which is probably like 
I mean, even more so than the business, like mm-hmm. the biggest accomplishment. She's mm-hmm. like very fascinating. Mm-hmm. She's very, she's very funny. It's like very intriguing to, you know, see her grow and learn mm-hmm. and do all sorts of wacky things. Bob, Bob knows this. Bob, Bob is technically her uncle. Side, side, uh, side note. Bob lives in my in-laws basement. <laughs> <laughs> it's me. <laughs> so uh so yeah so bob bob's basically my you know adopted brother he's me as uncle um and uh yeah so it's it's re- it's really cool because i feel like there's been a you know you you have your your family you know your actual family but then mm-hmm. you also have this family mm-hmm. that you kind of take on because of music and i mean even like you know i mean i probably met bob 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. I don't even think we liked each other at first. I've but heard this story. I don't remember, honestly. Um, there might have been some mosh beef at the American Legion. Uh, <laughs> you know? I, I don't know. Like, I, I definitely had some rough moments in the beginning of my life, but uh worked them all out, <laughs> oh, thankfully. <laughs> I actually, this is a weird... <laughs> go, go ahead and spill the beans if you know, John. Yeah, 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 oh, no, it. I was, was going to say, I remember the first time I ever... I never talked to Bob but the first time I ever saw him at a show that I can actually recall after all these years was probably it was 2002 and it was in Harrisburg and it was championship it was not that was before the championship Mm. this was a fire hall and it was um it was Norma Jean me Mm. without you and my Mm. synopsis my synopsis and and Bob Bobby had a further seems forever shirt on and Boy, he was Bob. standing right in front of me, and I, I don't know why, nice. but I, I just remember I remember seeing him because you would see you know the same people at random shows. Um, but yeah, so I remember the first time I think I saw Bob, but probably we didn't even like talk. And Bob has big muscles, so it's hard to ignore him. Back then, he probably did I not. I was in a size small. I probably got that shirt from Hot Topic in York, Pennsylvania <laughs> in 2002. Yes. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> no, I, I would say, you know, a lot of, you know, like like this relationship that I have with the two of you has obviously stemmed from the local music scene and it's just really it's just really cool mm-hmm. to kinda, you know, to think back on uh on all that. Mm-hmm. Humble beginnings. Yeah. What what is it like balancing work? You're a hard worker, you have a successful, very busy business, you're booked out, you said a couple weeks. Typically, yes. typically a couple of weeks. So, what is it like balancing family and work life? Uh, it's it's tough. I try to have you know you got to wear you know a couple of different hats when you when you do this. I mean, I I try to keep my home life. I kind of try to keep you know like when I get home and you know I have time with my daughter. I I want to like you know, shut that mm-hmm. out a little bit. It's mm-hmm. it's hard sometimes because you know after standing all day and mm-hmm. you know working mm-hmm. and you just want to kind of like crash on the couch Mm -hmm. and just like, you know, browse on your phone. But it's like, you know, you try to kind of separate the two and make sure that, you know, you can, you know, give, you know, your wife, your kid, you Mm -hmm. know, your all like when you're at home. Mm -hmm. It is tough sometimes, but it's definitely something that you want to do. What, what, what advice would you give to someone listening to this who is starting a business or has a business and they're having a hard time doing this actually, where they have a wife at home, maybe some kids, what advice would you have for them that has been effective for you? I would, I would say, I mean, you, you got to put in, you got to put in the work, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing you got to put in the work. Uh, you know, don't, don't lose sight of your, 
your vision and like what's your what you're passionate about and Mm -hmm. you know for for any business i would say customer service is like a really really huge thing you know treating customers well you know they'll see that you you know they'll see that you care and you Mm -hmm. know no, no matter what you do like i you know the type of business i'm in it's you know a very um you know it's i guess i guess the way to say it is like it's a uh it's an instagram friendly business Mm -hmm. you know it's uh it's very visual you know you see a haircut you see a tattoo you see certain things so i like yeah i am a firm believer in like like i don't advertise i refuse to advertise because i feel like Hmm. your product will speak for itself like someone might see a haircut and be like it's a nice haircut Mm -hmm. you know where did you go right um you know more and and the the thing too is you know people will talk ten times more about a negative experience than mm-hmm. they will about a positive mm-hmm. experience. So I think just making sure that they have a really really you know good experience and they enjoy themselves and they feel comfortable. I think that's that's very important. Hmm. That's great. Yeah. But so Bob, you you are someone who has a different family experience than I do. And uh, when my mom first met you, she fell in love with you. And the reason she fell in love with you, I wish everyone listening to this knew you so they could just know (laughs) the kind of warm person you are. Um, If I were to see you in the gym, I would be very afraid to talk to you because of your big muscles. And your your personality is is one that is just, it's just so warm. And everyone that you meet loves you. I appreciate that. Thank you. You have the special ability of... um, you have the ability to make friends with someone and, and really give them the sense that you will be there for them. That's important to you. I know it's important to you um, that loyalty is at the very top. So what is it that you've learned in your life about family, um, not just blood, but friends who have been loyal to you or maybe on the contrary have crossed you that those listening might be like, yeah, I've kind of had experiences like that where someone in my life and then they do something and they're not the same person they were like how do you kick back from that and then on the flip side of that how do you build friendships where you have loyalty and you have trust and you have a long-standing relationship i don't think there's uh, a a shortcut for anything like john said building a business you there's no shortcut for the hard work you got to put in the hours learning to play drums being in august Red. there's no shortcut you got to practice in your basement you got to tour for years Mm -hmm. you got to write albums um for, for friendships and family, for me, it's like, it's kind of like you don't know till you try. And, you know, I've went through so many bad experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, over the years, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting that I'm on this podcast because mm-hmm. I was speaking about the bitterness thing that you guys just posted this morning, you mm-hmm. know, about the bitterness, like um, have, having friends betray you uh, and holding grudges and unforgiveness. It, it you know, you expect the unforgiveness to hurt your father, your friend, you know, insert, but mm-hmm. you're really, you're really hurting yourself. And, um, mm. I try to live my life in a way, uh, love and compassion and kindness. And, and I truly believe that putting those qualities out into the air, the earth, the way I live my life, like mm-hmm. putting that into the atmosphere I believe that attracts other, like the law of attraction. Like I believe that attracts like-minded, uh, similar people into mm-hmm. my life. And I've been very, very yeah. fortunate to have, you know, the best friends in the world. Mm-hmm. I didn't, uh, like taking it back to the family thing. I didn't mm-hmm. grow up, 
um, you know, I just had a single mom, you know, mm-hmm. and she passed away when I was 17 in high school. Mm-hmm. And so I, I've really been living with friends or on my own since mm-hmm. 2003, mm. you know, and I graduated in 2004. 17 years. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a long, crazy road and, and like hinting to some of the other things I said, like, you know, I, did, <laughs> I definitely learned every lesson the hard way. I was not, you know, honestly, five years ago, I'm a different man than I mm. was today. A year ago, I'm a different man, but 15 years ago, 20 years ago, you know, when I was 18 years old, 20 years old, I'm 34 now. Like I I wasn't, you know, I wouldn't be friends with me. You know, I Mm. was definitely really rough around the edges and had to to learn a lot of lessons the hard way. But, um, Mm. you know, like there's, there's no shortcut, you know, you can't, it's, it's not, you know, how many times you get knocked down. It's how many times you get back up. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I made these mistakes and now I have to, you know, accept my punishment. Well, you know, I'm going to learn from these mistakes. and I'm going to do better. Mm -hmm. Okay. I got that ironed out, you know, <laughs> let's make the next mistake and let's figure let's it out figure again, it out. get knocked down again. Yeah. You know, like how, how many Michael Jordan, how, how many famous people have yeah. said, how, you've heard that saying, yeah. you get knocked down nine times, you get up 10, you get knocked down a hundred yeah. times, you get up 101. Like yeah. you, you know, you break a snare, you, you, you keep trying, you keep practicing, you, yeah. you fuck up someone's haircut. Yeah. You don't do that anymore, John. <laughs> but, John, you, know, you don't do that anymore. John do doesn't do that anymore, but you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you, you keep, you know, whatever the setback is, you know, it's, there's, there, there's no like, like shortcut. You just, you got to have that resiliency and keep, you know, keep trying, mm-hmm. keep learning, keep growing. Yeah. You know? I love that. I think that everyone uh, in my life has, that has been successful has lived according to that code. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and success, agree. success, not measured by monetary, by value. monetary success or by not making mistakes or by not having a hard and difficult life. Like that's, that's, that's the trash idea about Christianity that we keep coming back to on this podcast is like, we're promised over and over again that life's going to be pretty good. Yeah. There's no, Mm. there's, you know, I don't, I don't think anyone really truly has it all together. It's, it's, that's a, that's a facade. You know, I want to be genuine and real in my friendships, uh, my struggles because everyone, everyone has struggles. You know, the pastor on the stage doesn't have struggles. Like there's, you know, no one's, better or worse you know the mm-hmm. the homeless man w- w- walking on the street is just as his life is just as as important as a celebrity's life and right. i i don't yeah. think that 100 percent. um whether you're a pastor or a musician an artist you know super you know basketball player like i, I don't think uh um, i don't think you can value one human being over another human being. I think that's like playing God, and I think that's an incredibly <laughs> prideful standpoint to to say, oh, you know, so-and-so is more important because he's made so many touchdowns. Like, yeah. I, I just, I couldn't, fa- I couldn't fathom having that mentality to, you know, to not think about, you know, the, your your fellow man or, you know, the person on the bottom because no matter how low you go, you're sitting in a prison cell, like, you, you know, you, you, you can always get lower. You know, you still have your mental health. You st- I still have two legs. Mm. I've been in a lot of situations yeah. in my life. And I, and I, <laughs> me, <laughs> it's funny. I'm sitting here looking at Matt because I've went through these situations with Matt. <laughs> it's like, you could, you could always, you could always, you can, it can always get worse. You mm. know, you could be in a wheelchair. Oh, well, you don't have any family. Well, you, you know, but you're walking down the street. 
to to catch the bus to your job, but you don't have a car. But the guy in the car mm. is looking at the guy in the Range Rover, thinking, oh, "I wish I had a Range Rover." Mm-hmm. And the guy in the Range Rover is looking at the sky, thinking, "I wish I had a helicopter." It's like, <laughs> dude, you you know, like you could be riding a bike to work. You could not have legs yeah. to pedal that bike. Mm-hmm. You could, mm. you know, um, uh, I'm I'm working with a family with autism right now. Like. The kid can't even communicate. The kid cannot tell his mom when he has an upset stomach. Mm. It's like, yeah. uh, here yeah, in my personal yeah. life, I'm spending my money on antiques and Harley parts <laughs> and worrying about my financials when in reality, it's like, yo, this kid like can't even tell you I want a bowl of cereal. Mm-hmm. It's like, like, it just brings like perspective. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important yeah. in life. Yeah, there was a lyric I wrote years ago in Provision. I, I lost a ton of money in a Ponzi scheme. If you've ever heard of a Ponzi scheme and you're listening to this and you were the victim of one, I'm sorry for you. I know your pain. It sucks. You not only lose money, you lose trust. And mm-hmm. so anyway, I lost all this money and I wrote this lyric. It was the easiest lyric I've ever written because I was, well, it's the second easiest lyric. The easiest lyrics Defender, which is a newer song, but this is an older song called Provision. And in the lyric, I said about this guy who I worked with the FBI and put him in jail for about four years, I think. Um, I said, I'm just as much the problem as the man behind bars. He did with his business, but I do in my heart. And when I wrote it, I knew I hadn't, I didn't, I penned it, but I knew that that came from God. He, He put that in me to show me that I was looking at this guy with this disdain and victim mentality. Like, how could this guy do this to me? And dude, there's stuff in my life that just looks a lot less obvious and is just as bad. Yeah. I'm never going to sit. I shouldn't say never. <laughs> I've never <laughs> I've never been in prison, and so that's an obvious thing. You know when someone is not around and they're in prison. Um, you've I hopefully done a bad thing and you're serving time for it, but uh, in my case, it's like, well, actually, as Christians, we're told that that is all of our situations. And that we actually need help getting out of that. And there's nothing we can do to get out of that prison cell. We got ourselves in. There's nothing we can do to get out. And I really believed that in that moment because I I felt the pain of knowing what it was to lose so much that I had worked so hard landscaping for and I was saving up for my dad's farm and everything. And then when I realized, wait a second, I am just like this dude uh, in my own life, obviously not in regards to stealing money from other people, but sin is sin, like you're saying. No one's any better or any worse. Right. Absolutely. And it was, a, it was a tough thing for me to realize. It's humbling, for sure. Yeah, it's true. Can we talk about John's daughter? Because I love her. She <laughs> is the absolute cutest three-year-old, three and a half. Okay, let's talk about John's daughter. Go. Okay. I just wanted to to insert that there that me and uh, I, I have a, a rap alias. Uh, I gave her named oh. Mia Money. Ooh. We're coming out with a mixtape. It's called The Hottest <laughs> Winter, coming out twenty twenty four. I love that. Where where can we find this? Um, it's going to be available on all social medias. My Bandcamp. 
Okay, Bandcamp, SoundCloud. I'm I'm being sarcastic right. for those of you that don't know me. Um, <laughs> I, I gave John's daughter a, a, a nickname <laughs> for for social media Aww. funny laughing purposes, and, and I, she I just, probably I, loves it. I just adore her and wanted to add that. Oh, thank I love you. That. I love thank that. you. She loves you. John has a very special family. Something to not be taken for granted. So Tim, uh, yeah. listening to this from the outside. You have never met yeah. either of these guys. For those listening, uh, you might think we're all in the same room. We're not, actually. So Tim is about yes. a two-and-a-half-hour drive away, and he's hearing these stories, and he's, he's hearing these conversations uh, for the first time, just like you are as a listener. So what, what Tim, can, can you ask that maybe a listener is, is wondering? Uh, can you dig a little bit and try to make these guys feel a little uncomfortable? <laughs> try to get us triggered. That's good. That's good. Trigger. Well, <laughs> Well, it's funny that you say that because even though I don't know you guys, I feel like I do. Um, so I hope a lot of you listening uh, feel the same way. Um, I've just I've loved uh, hearing the conversation and hearing your perspectives, and I, I think it actually falls right in line with a lot of what we've talked about on this podcast in the past. Um, and and uh, it's just funny because a lot of the experiences that you guys are talking about are experiences that myself and I'm sure a lot of mm-hmm. others can relate to and, and have experienced. And, and I, I think, um, the, the interesting dynamic that I was sensing, and I don't know how much you guys know about me. Um, but I, uh, I work a full-time job. Um, I, I'm married. I have a, a three-year-old, um, and drumming mm-hmm. has become more of a hobby for me. Um, less of a, you know, a career path. And, um, but it's, it's just, I, I think one thing that has been, uh, kind of prominent in the conversation is that the the grass is always greener on the other mm. side. You know, you're you're talking about how people um probably they 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 ask Bobby, you know, how do you, how do I get a job like yours? Or they ask Matt, how do I get a job like yours? Um when Matt and Bobby are are like, I just wanna be home with my family <laughs> and and uh you know, and I and I gotta say, as someone who's kind of experienced both sides, like, and I was just talking to Matt about this the other day. I love being able to get on my drum kit in my studio at my house for a couple hours, and then walk upstairs and hang out with mm. my son and my wife. You know, it's the best. Like, I'm living the dream right mm. now. <laughs> um, you know, and and so. Uh, and John, I'm sure that's very similar to you. You found your passion. You know, you're you're running this business. I'm sure that it's not always one. You know, it's not always glamorous, but but you found your passion. And you love what you do, and and the best part is that you get to to spend it with your wife and your kid. Mm. Um, you know, and I think uh, for those of you listening, um, just really appreciate where you're at mm-hmm. in life and what you're experiencing right now, because um, even you know we were getting all nostalgic a while ago. And I was just thinking, man, those, those were such good times. But when I was living those times, all I wanted to do was be in a famous band. Mm -hmm. All I wanted to do was get out of those VFW halls. And now I'd give a lot just to go back and experience Mm -hmm. that again, you know, just to experience a basement show with my friends. Like, you know, it's, and it's wild to, to think about it because it's, perspective uh, is really puts it in perspective. Absolutely. yeah. 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 Perspective is, I think is something that's super, super important because like you said, grass is always greener, but you know, it's, it's, it's perspective. Like just driving down the road, like the person in the car next to you, like you have no clue. Like it sounds really kind of corny and cliche to say it, but it's like, you know, 
they are seeing things from such a totally different standpoint and and it doesn't make them wrong and it doesn't make you wrong it's just different and, and i think we should be a little bit more understanding and compassionate and accepting of people and their different perspectives and that's not to say that they're yeah. wrong or right i'm not the judge but to to maybe be a little bit more understanding knowing that the person next to you's got different maybe political belief maybe religious belief maybe yeah. whatever belief like in their world they're right mm-hmm. you know in my world i'm yeah. you know it's like it's not a right it's not like a matter of right or wrong like uh i i think perspective is like super duper underrated that's something i've been yeah i i mean that's a great point mm-hmm. like it, we have this idea that that someone that believes differently than we do is is just totally misled when in fact they yeah. they believe what they believe most of the time there are exceptions but most of the time people believe what they believe for a pretty good reason like they're they're convicted about that belief something has led them to to that belief and i will freely admit that i'm a christian um because of a number of different factors early on i was a christian just because i was raised in a christian home and then i started mm-hmm. a metal band got out into the real world scott vogel from terror asked me first tour a week in, do you think gay people are going to hell? And I'm like, I don't know how to That's answer any of this because <laughs> yeah. like I was raised to believe Jeez, a certain yeah. set of beliefs. I'm not saying I was, you know, raised to believe that's true or not. I was just raised to believe a certain way and I've never questioned any of it. I actually don't know what I believe. Um, I certainly hope that's not true, but I'm, I'm going to dig and I'm going to try to figure this out. And so it wasn't until I was like 19 or 20 that I had to, Take what my parents and the church I grew up in had had raised me to believe. And I had to say, is this true? And that's the best possible thing you can do. Because if you take what your parents have given you or any set of people and you go out there into the real world and you face reality, you're going to take what you've been given by somebody else and you're going to try to Mm -hmm. use it to endure whatever afflictions you come across and it's going to fall apart or... You're going, so, so A, you're going to say, this isn't true because it's not helping me. When in fact, what you were taught was never true to begin with. It was just a caricature, right? So like I was taught Christianity, but there were a lot of caricatures too. So when I put it up against uh, suffering or whatever I was going through, I was like, wait a second, this doesn't work. I could have very easily said Christianity is not true because I was using a caricature of it to face reality or you're going to say, I can't, I can't handle this circumstance. I'm gonna, so these people are bad or this situation is bad, so I'm going to run back to a bubble. But, but both of those situations are really bad. So you have to come to a place where, like you're talking about, you, you bloom where you're planted. You are where you are for a really good reason. And to look towards the future constantly and just try to be somewhere and someone that you're not is, is very damaging. Um. Because when you arrive at that destination, you'll look back and you'll say, wait a second, I'm really not even sure who I am. Because I, I, I didn't fully question where I was in the past. And I, I really like that, that synopsis, Tim. I, I think that that's spot on what I've learned from, from Bobby and John. How long have we yeah. known each other? 20 years? A long time. We're old. Yeah. Your, your band's old enough to drive. We look good, though. I can't grow hair on the top of my head anymore. Sorry, sorry, John. There'll be no more haircuts in my future. You can't get any work done at Black Home? 
I mean, you know, mustache. If I, I could grow I a beard, shave. I could grow a beard. But as far as like having like a haircut, do a a fade, a slick, a whatever, I that doesn't chest hair happen. I buzz that myself. Okay, but John, you're feeling froggy one evening. You know where I live. <laughs> I'll come over to help you hang antiques. I don't know if I'll come over to help you shave your body hair. I don't blame you, John. I bought a zebra rug, full zebra rug the other day, and John did help me staple it to my wall. I did. That is a That's good a friend. Time. Yeah. Wow. It was fun. He was like, he was like I Tim need says, you. Wow. Some additional services. He texted me. He was like, bro, I need you. I have to hang a zebra. Uh-huh. Did, and were you like, did you text the wrong word, or is that actually what you meant? <laughs> that's what I meant. No, I knew, I, knowing Bob, I knew that's exactly what he meant. So. You're like, oh, is that it? Is there, is there a hippo tour yeah. there? Like, what, what else do you need? <laughs> okay, so that's, uh, let's wrap up with a uh, final question, and then, Tim, if you have anything to add, that'd be great. Um, sure. Let's talk God. Uh where are you guys at in your, in your faith? You know, you guys are living successful lives. You, you have lived a lot of life. You have families that you care about and you love. How are you, um, what is the, the faith component of your life like at this point? I, you want me to go first? Go ahead. Um, Boy, Bobby's ready to dive in. I'll I love this. It. I don't want to yeah. steal, steal the shine, cuz. Um, <laughs> I, uh, so much like you, I was I was raised in a Christian home, and even though there's, you know, they they paint this whole picture of, you know, how life's supposed to be and how you're supposed to act and how you're supposed to interact and you know what type of person you're supposed to be. It's it was weird because I felt like there was always, you know, some sort of like underlying judgment, whether it was mm. other, uh, you know, whether it was aimed towards me or aimed towards other people. Um, and it was, it was just weird because it's like, this isn't how it should be. Like, I shouldn't feel like uncomfortable or feel like I'm being judged. And then there was, um, there was a really interesting, um, I guess pinnacle moment when, uh, when I was in high school when I was getting ready to go off college, my, my parents kind of hit like a little rough patch in their marriage and they were kind of fighting and whatnot and they were going to counseling. And it was weird because I, I literally saw a church that, you know, I grew up going to kind of turn their back on them and judge mm. them like, oh my goodness, like, look at these people, you know, having, you know, struggles and, uh, and look at these people, you know, not being perfect. And I basically told my parents, I was like, I don't want to be involved in a place that would judge you guys for, you know, fucking up and then you know trying to make it right. And my, mm. my parents are still together. I mean, they've been married Aww. 43 years. So, awesome. which is mind blowing and amazing, but, um, it's just, you know, I think, I think the, it, it's weird because I think what a lot of Christians struggle with is that, you know, we're, we're shitty people just like anyone else. Like, I'm not saying that I'm not pointing the blame at anyone, but like, we're, we're just as shitty. We mess up. We do things like I've done things that I'm not proud of. Like I've done things that like, I would never want my daughter to know that I've I've done like I've I've messed up in my marriage like I've messed up a, a lot in general as a person but you know I think the thing is you know people you know the the problem is you know like and and it's not just a christian thing I think the problem is you know labels like you label someone like oh like they you know 
were unfaithful in their marriage or like, oh, like they were a criminal or mm. they were, you know, they they did this, like they did that. And it's weird because, you know, you, you know, you might find yourself or see other people giving people labels. And it's amazing to see, you know, like throughout my life, you know, people like you, you talk about someone like, oh, well, you know, they, uh, you know, like they, uh, they're not, they're not a really good parent. Like they don't spend a lot of time with their kid or like, oh, that person like you know, cheated on their spouse or, oh, mm-hmm. that person like they like shoplifted in high school. And it's mm-hmm. like, you have these labels that just follow you around. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's weird because you just like, you can't let those identify you because at the end of the day, you know, we're all the same and we're all trying to navigate. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, you know, people That's right. give Christians, especially you know, harsher labels because it's like, oh, well, they did this. I thought they were, I thought they were a Christian. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it's weird because I don't, I don't want to take up too much time, but like, I rare, I rarely do this because I don't even know this person, but it's just, it's been really interesting over the last couple of years to see Tim Lambesis Mm -hmm. come back Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. things that he's been labeled for Mm -hmm. as christian as someone in the spotlight like i said i don't i don't know him but like i definitely um admire him for everything that he's gone through Mm -hmm. and everything that he's overcome and that's the thing it's like people you know like oh like he did that and he's a christian and like and oh and now he's touring again and it's like but he did you know like he did his time Mm -hmm. and also as christians you know like like, isn't that the whole point of it? Like, we're <laughs> forgiven for all of the shitty yeah, stuff that we've exactly. done. Like, isn't that like ultimately <laughs> the point? So I'll just I'm just gonna kind of exactly I'm just gonna kind of leave it at that because, like I said, like I rarely would ever really bring someone up that like I don't know personally, but mm-hmm. that's something that I think about when mm-hmm. I think you know, back to things that I've done or mm-hmm. rough moments I've had in my life where I'm trying to overcome certain things, mm-hmm. and um, I. I I'm still I'm still a Christian. I go to church, you know. I'm not saying there's not things that I struggle with still to this day, but I think the biggest struggle is, you know, the way people look at you, like if you tell them you're a Christian, they're like, Oh, like you're probably judging me or he probably thinks that, you know, he probably you know, maybe favors, you know, someone politically or mm-hmm. he thinks this way about gay people or mm-hmm. he feels this way about, you know, whatever and I think uh, I think ultimately what you can do is maybe just like pleasantly surprise people mm. when it's like oh well they're not the way. It's funny how people judge Christians for thinking they're judgmental, <laughs> <laughs> and that's I think the ultimate kind yeah. of yeah. weird like catch twenty two when mm. it comes to you're a very fair person. You just defended and advocated against the same thing. <laughs> I, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Thank that you. Was, that was very, yeah, that was very good insight. That will be helpful to myself and I know other people. Yeah, definitely. I That's spot on. Have had the honor of becoming friends with Tim in the past year or two, and I absolutely love the guy. And talk I'm, a little bit about Tim. There's, there's those listening who don't know anything about. I'm uh, t- Tim Blambesis is a singer of a fairly popular metal band in our genre, Warped Tour, uh, called Asley Dying. Years ago, I, I'm not sure 
11, 12, I got convicted of, um, trying, I believe, you know, trying to hire somebody to kill his wife. And uh, sting operation, I'm, again, I'm not, I don't know the details. I wasn't there. You can go Google it. I could Google it and get the information. But um, I was introduced to Tim by uh, Jake, mm-hmm. Mr. Jacob Lors, mm-hmm. whom I love as well. And uh, <laughs> it's it's interesting because I, I Jake introduced me in uh, the end of 2018, mm-hmm. I believe. And the that summer prior to that introduction, the San Diego Warp Tour, I saw Tim walking around backstage behind my stage. Mm-hmm. And I approached him and I, this was, this was kind of that summer he was him. And I believe as dying started to be a little bit active on social media. Mm-hmm. They posted a new song. Mm-hmm. So there's this big stirring in the pot that summer mm-hmm. about, Oh, whoa, is you know, Tim's back. He's, you know, it's like, I thought it was really, really stupid. It's um, to to pass all that judgment, but nonetheless, anyways, I I uh, uh, empathized with Tim uh, as 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 ca- catching all that flack because of his mistakes, mm-hmm. and um, I, I believed I I made it a point when I saw him to walk up to him, and I've I, I've never walked up to anybody and mm-hmm. asked for a photo ever, mm-hmm. never. That was mm-hmm. the first time I had ever done that. I said, Tim, I think it takes extreme uh it, it's very bold and courageous uh to to do what you're doing and i think it's awesome that you're back and playing music can i get a photo with you and and it was that he took a picture with me cool posted some you know inspirational thing on my social media about what i, I just said that. and uh and everyone crapped on you <laughs> no i'm just kidding uh, there, i had a couple there, naysayers there but, were a couple yeah. i mean nonetheless and then and then months later i i am introduced to tim and we form uh, a, a really great friendship and um it's it's amazing what he's doing mm-hmm. um i personally have felonies i personally have been in prison and um he has turned his life around and is trying to help others and it's it's great and it's really sad to see the church um judge him and kick him instead of encourage him and accept him and i mm. uh, strongly disagree with that i i empathize with the the underdogs of society. Um, Cause truthfully, I, I feel like that's what Jesus did. It's how many stories is he talking of with prostitutes? Mm-hmm. You know, he's hanging out with dudes mm-hmm. that betrayed him. He's hanging out with dudes in his inner circle that lie. Mm-hmm. He's hanging out with dudes with Peter that tried to stab a dude, cut mm-hmm. his ear off. Like, like <laughs> these aren't just stories to me. You know, it's like, I look at 2020 and I'm like, that's me right there trying to, metaphorically stab a dude mm-hmm. never stabbed a dude mm-hmm. but mm. you know it's like i put myself in all yeah. those shoes and it's like uh that's us mm-hmm. you know i i don't think i think that the church uh has i think the perception that the world has of the church let me correct by saying that is that there's a holier than thou mm. closed door policy and i mm. and i think there's a lot of truth to that I also think there's a lot of churches out there today that are are really spot on with what Jesus spoke about mm. uh, as far as accepting, loving others. Um, I've been listening to uh, 
Judas Smith. Mm-hmm. I've been listening to his podcast on this past tour. Mm-hmm. And I just, I can't stop listening mm-hmm. to, like, it's, I just listen to his sermon after sermon. And I, I, he really, really speaks mm-hmm. to me mm-hmm. along those same, Love that. same lines. But, um, yeah, I, I always make it a point to, uh, I always support my friends. And then I always make it a point when I, when I see uh, an injustice, especially in my circle of influence, mm-hmm. whether it be personal, my career. To always make it a point to to voice my opinion, maybe you know, <laughs> maybe I go a little too boldly at some points, but um, it's interesting you brought up the Tim thing because Tim is an awesome dude, and I couldn't support him in that band more if I tried. Um, and it's That's just awesome. a cool turn of events of how uh, I I posted about him before I didn't know. I, th- I think uh, I believe. Uh, Jake's nonprofit heart support posted mm-hmm. something. It was mm-hmm. like that day before about Tim mm-hmm. and I read it and it really, really struck a chord in my heart. It's like, who, who are any of us to pass judgment? What he did was terrible. Um, no doubt, but I just, I, he fully acknowledges that it's a dangerous <laughs> line to walk. When you start saying you're mm-hmm. good, you're bad. Mm-hmm. You're accepted. You're rejected. You know, your life is more important. You homeless man. You're not as important. You're rich. You're more important. You're poor. Like that's a really dangerous, mm-hmm. dangerous line to walk. Like the po- political thing is, I couldn't imagine making those. You know, I I couldn't do it. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want to get into politics, but like I couldn't do it. I couldn't be the person to say yes and no. You are, you know, because I just I don't believe. You know, I definitely don't have the answers, but I definitely don't believe in that. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something that surprised me with the Tim Lambesis story. And I, I don't know if you felt this way or not, but everyone wanted to give their two cents. Yes, and, and really, the only person's opinion that matters is his wife, his ex-wife. Yeah, if yeah. she chooses to not forgive him, he has every right in the world. Yeah, is yeah. It, it, is she the one whose opinion matters most? Absolutely. Does everyone else have an opinion? Absolutely. Is it is it everyone's right except for his wife and maybe her family and and his family to mostly her family, her family and her? Is it anyone else's right to say I don't forgive you? Absolutely not. That's insanity. Definitely it's like is. he yeah. didn't wrong me. No. And the only way that you right. feel offended by it is right. if you have this idea that Christians are perfect. That's the only way yeah, in uh-huh. which you would ever feel offended because he didn't do anything to hurt you. Her? Whole other story, dude. Absolutely. That's between them. Yeah. But for all these people, thousands and thousands of people to voice their opinion and say, oh, I, I just can't forgive him. It's like, well... Actually, he didn't do anything to you. You don't have anything to forgive him for. <laughs> like yeah, he's an imperfect right. person, and he's 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 owning that. Actually, he's been very very good yeah, to own yeah. that, and um, that's that's up to him to do. He he has to do that. Uh, that was that was very a very divisive moment in the, in the scene, and it was revealing. I think you guys were talking about how revealing it was. It really was. It just showed everybody's true colors. I loved him. I loved him too. <laughs> <laughs> so Tim, do you want to <laughs> the other Tim? Tim Lambesis, <laughs> but my new friend Tim. Yeah. I love you too. We need to differentiate here. <laughs> Tim Anderson never tried to do that. Um but he wouldn't claim to be perfect uh, either. So Tim, do you have anything uh, you want to add in wrapping up here? Uh, you guys pretty much summed it up. I mean, uh I feel like I didn't even have to really lead the conversation at all because yep. you guys took it and yep. killed it. Um 
I, I, I guess what I would say is that I agree. <laughs> I'll leave it That's at great. that. I love that. <laughs> if you're listening to this and, uh, and you don't agree, it's okay. As we said, we all have uh, different mm-hmm. opinions and, and uh, we can learn to love each other and uh, move past mm-hmm. our differences. Uh, that That's that right. is good. Um, and just as we had a conversation I, here agree. today, I think we can all continue this conversation. You know, uh, not everyone needs to see eye to eye like you're saying. Um, so thank yep. you guys so much for joining Tim thank and I. You. You're welcome. It's, uh-huh. it's so cool that we got to do this. And I hope if you're listening, you really enjoyed yeah. this episode. Thank you. That was a fun time. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks, Tim. Okay, so we hope you guys enjoyed that episode as much as we did. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was, it was really good. Um, and for those of you that were a part of the Lancaster metal scene uh, at its beginning, I'm sure that was full of nostalgia for you. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, I wasn't a part of the Lancaster metal scene at its beginnings, but, um, but it's fun to hear about it. <laughs> you missed out. <laughs> I missed out. But you kind of got in by doing this was, uh, episode. Yeah, so. I did. I did. I did. I was a couple hours away that whole time. Yeah. So I wasn't, I wasn't too far out, but just far enough, I guess. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, um, moving on to, uh, I guess, the normal outro stuff. Um, we've, we did a lot this month. Um, so I'll just list off kind of some of the things we got going on just in case you missed it. Um, so Adam Gray has been doing uh, drum lessons for us on our, uh, for our inner circle members on our Patreon. Um, and those have been awesome. He's doing um, four videos a month. Um, and that library is just going to continue to grow. So um, if uh, any of you are interested, you can check it out. It's patreon.com slash holyghostnotes. The uh, triplet and, and ghost note tiers are the ones that get immediate access to that um, drum lesson library and um, we'll continue to have access to those videos um, among all of the other perks that we've uh, we've set up for you guys. Um, the uh, community group is really thriving. It's been really cool to be a part of it, cool to see it grow. Um, which speaking of, I've got some some shout outs to do real quick. So big shout out to Nathan Davenport. Jeremy Boxerman, Ben King, Philip Gallo, Daniel Prendergast, Mitchell Leanman, and Brian Kovacic. I hope I pronounced that correctly, but uh, yeah, thank you guys so much. I'm looking forward to, to getting to know you more. So uh, welcome to the inner circle. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Um, yeah, and on top of that, uh, this wasn't something that we had planned or... or um, had set as a goal for ourselves, but we did just start releasing um, weekly devotionals. Um, actually, we've been re- releasing them twice a week um, up until now. So we've got four up on our website right now. We're calling them Peace Devotionals, um, which is kind of a play on how we've ended every podcast <laughs> thus far. <laughs> um, but they've been really cool. And, and um, 
uh, hopefully, you know, the, the goal is to, to challenge and inspire and, uh, um, you know, motivate you guys. Um, so we hope that you get something out of it. They've been hitting on some, some cool topics. We've been going through, um, the book of Mark. So, um, it's four, four available up on our website now. Um, and actually there probably will be five by the time you're hearing this. So, um, so go check that out. Peace devotionals on the Holy ghost Um, other than that, uh, yeah, check out our Patreon um, if you're if you're interested in um, in supporting what we're doing um, or just getting more involved, being more a part of what's going on, being a part of this thriving community of people. Um, it's Patreon.com/slash/HolyGhostNotes, and um, it's pretty pretty sweet, gotta say. Absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, if you're on Instagram. Uh, make sure you're posting those drum videos using the hashtag Holy Ghost Notes. Uh, we do a drum video uh, groove of the week each week, so um, we like reposting your stuff. And um, yeah, other than that, if you if you want to get in touch with us, you can reach out Matt and Tim at theholyghostnotes.com um, or reach out to us on Instagram or Facebook. Um, yeah, love to hear from you. Absolutely. Yeah. So. We hope you guys enjoyed the episode today and uh, we can't wait to talk again very soon. Yes. Yes. We'll see you all soon. Have a, well, it's probably not night for you right now, but it is for us. So have a good night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fade and fast. You can tell. <laughs> I've, never that, that, I've never done that outro piece so quickly. I was like breezing through it. <laughs> so... I apologize, but <laughs> I don't want to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, man. Thanks a lot. And uh, you guys be safe out there. We'll talk soon. Yeah, sounds good. Peace. Peace.